You're listening to a podcast from the Tudor Institute Ireland Conference. The seventh annual Tudor Institute Ireland Interdisciplinary Conference took place at NUI Galway in August 2017. The conference was generously supported by the College of Arts, Social Sciences and Celtic Studies at NUI Galway, the School of Humanities at NUI Galway, the Moore Institute at NUI Galway, the Disciplines of History and English at NUI Galway, the Women's History Association of Ireland and Marsh's Library. As in previous years, the majority of papers were recorded for podcasting by Real Smart Media, in association with UCD's History Hub. There are now more than 180 podcasts from previous Tudor and Stuart Ireland conferences freely available. To access this archive, go to historyhub.ie forward slash podcasts or visit tudorstuartireland.com. In this episode, a recording of a paper by Associate Professor Thomas Hearn from East Carolina University. His paper was entitled Kilcolman Castle and the Centering Spencer website, New Developments. Okay, thanks. Well, it's great to be here. Thank you to the organizers. Uh, it's wonderful to be back in Galway. I came here on a postdoc back in the year 2000, uh, and I'm happy to see the Corb is still there and the Riverwalk is still there. Uh, and um, uh, I, I, I first became interested in Irish archaeology back in 1989 as a volunteer at Munyalock uh, with uh, John Bradley. And ever since then, I've been very interested in the intersection of material culture uh, and English literature, and so when I found Edmund Spencer as part of my dissertation, it's sort of the, 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 the bells and the whistles rang and the lights went off, or on, I should say, uh, and uh, I've been kind of, uh, uh, as Al Sharpton said, about the Democratic Party, I've been riding that pony ever since. Um, uh, so uh, I just wanted to say that uh, this project uh, is built at East Carolina University, where, where I am, uh, where I teach uh, Shakespeare and, and Spencer and other things. Uh, and uh, it's thanks to uh, the multimedia center there that we're able to do this. I did it without any grant money, so it's sort of really sort of this uh, gradual uh, 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 accretion of, of various factors and just happened to have an on-site uh, multimedia lab who also had students they could use who were on work study. Uh, so a lot of this was made with probably 250 an hour labor uh, uh, but uh, an art student, you know, who would go on do digital work in art. So I think it's been useful as a teaching resource um, for the students who worked on it progressively, but also uh, it, it's, a, it's a very small part of our university, though our university is also trying to expand its profile, but also its pedagogy, its programming uh, in digital humanities. Uh, so, but this is not really began as part of that in any coherent way. Right. So, sort of some of the background. Uh, so the website is already online. It has been for a few years now. Maybe a number of you are already familiar with it. What I'll do is I'll talk about uh, some of its main features, and then uh, basically I'll talk about, and there's a lot of things you won't see, uh, including fly-throughs. There's, you know, these three-dimensional fly-throughs. I encourage everybody to go to the website after this talk. Check out its different features. It's got a number of essays uh, by yours truly, right? Uh, and not necessarily peer-reviewed, but hopefully somewhat scholarly. Uh, I do try to put bibliographies after the essays. There's a lot of item descriptions. I'll show you one. You're only going to see one of them. There's a lot in it. You can see there's maps, drawings, all sorts of stuff. Uh, you can kind of get into it on your own. So this is just a taste of it. And then I'm, I'm going to, the second part of the lecture, I'm going to uh, bring up ideas and ways that Maybe it could be developed further. Where we've reached, we've reached a certain stage. It's sort of finished. It's up there, but it's not 
Yeah, as you know, a web project is never really finished. You can always add another text. There's no page limit here, right? And things change and you can tweak it, right? Uh, so any suggestions you have, this is perhaps the most knowledgeable, uh, it, no, this definitely is the most knowledgeable audience, certainly in terms of numbers, uh, as well as expertise, uh, uh, on this period of, of early modern Ireland. So to present this in front of you is quite an honor, but also it's quite uh, an opportunity, I think. So if you have any suggestions on things that should be added, things you see that are wrong, let me know. Uh, uh, but also what I'll do in the second half of this talk is to suggest things that could happen next should the project, say, take on a phase two, right? Uh, uh, things that could go forward. And that brings up questions about what can you do with the digital humanities? So, I'll, so I'm not just talking about Spencer. In fact, you won't hear a lot about Spencer in the Munster Plantation here. You're going to hear more, I think, about the methods and you'll see more about what the website does. And again, I'm interested in what could it do more that you might know about in terms of technology or programming and stuff and where it could go. And having said that, I should also say I'm not a computer programmer. I'm not the tech person on all of this. Uh, I, I know it used Maya Autodesk, but don't ask me what that is even, really. I was just sort of the content advisor. We also got a number of people who would come visit ECU, being in a big university like that, a number of archaeologists, Michael Potterton, James Littleton, for example. Um, historians would come through. John Bradley actually came through. Uh, who could give uh, suggestions and comments on, for example, castle structures uh, uh, and also advice on, on what may or may not be right there. Eric Klingelhofer, another person who came through. So there's been also a lot of academic adv uh, sorry, advice uh, suggestions on this uh, uh, as well. So it doesn't completely come out of the blue. And I, hopefully, again, I, think, I hope you'll find it somewhat uh, convincing and or interesting at least to think about. And all, all criticism uh, is, is very welcome. So uh, basically, I've, I've uh, been talking about it for a, a, a year or two now. So this is just a sample discussion uh, paper I gave at ECU. And I just wanted to call attention. I bring up this slide because that's what Hill Coleman is now, built in the early 15th century, a uh, 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 sort of bog standard, uh, uh, quite literally, uh, uh, Anglo-Norman uh, tower house, uh, Fitzgerald tower house, uh, Earls of Desmond, John of Desmond, the brother of the rebel Earl, owned it at one point. Uh, and uh, what you see is a little bit of the remains of the tower house. It would have been much higher. Uh, and then this is a 19th century edition stuck on the front of it. Uh, it's been used as a cattle buyer. It's a ruin, but it's a famous ruin, right? Because it's associated with the poet uh, Edmund Spencer. And this is what we've made out of it. We've put the barn around it. We've built it up to about six stories. And uh, archaeology has found the outlines of these uh, buildings. Uh, 15th century Great Hall as well as, uh, quite likely, Eric Klingelhofer would say, a, uh, a house in between, he calls it the parlor. You find things like little bits of, of uh, leaded glass, but also the foundations of this uh, late Tudor building. Uh, so essentially it's a complex of buildings. The garden, you'll see, uh, we just made up. Uh, uh, there has been no archaeology inside or around the barn of... of uh, uh, of Kilcolman, except for a couple little patches trying to find out the actual limits of the wall. Again, that's Klingelhofer in the, in the 1990s. Um, and uh, so, but we put a garden in there, again, almost as a, as a teaching tool. What would a pleasure garden have looked like owned by a minor lord uh, of, of the place? Uh, but again, we don't know it's there, but it'd be interesting to find out if there is something like that there. And it's on the computer. It can all be adjusted at some point, right, or changed. So when I bring up something like a garden, I do try to put in these, you know, warnings, or I try to put in the text, I say this is completely hypothetical. 
you know, I, I'm not trying to fool anybody into thinking this is exactly the way it looked. But again, it's all, uh, but on the other hand, we try to make educated guesses. And the building dimensions, the footprint is accurate based on what has been found there. Right? Kilcoleman Castle, which is near Donna Rail, right, in North Cork. Sort of introduce uh, a, a concept or two. Just a quotation happens to use an archaeological uh, metaphor here. But the key thing is the red thing here. I think a lot of us in Renaissance studies feel that the familiar text, i.e. Shakespeare, you could also say Spencer, there's a Spencer industry, as Hiram Morgan would say, have been overvisited, and the new texts and topics often remain in an area of marginal interest. Well, Irish studies, or the modern Irish studies, outside of Ireland is a, top, a, a, a subject of marginal interest, I think. But this sort of project and the sort of work that you all do uh, I think helps make it a more less marginal uh, topic, certainly in terms of early modern and in terms of Irish studies in the academy, as we know, which of course is part of the humanities, which themselves are under assault, as they always seem to be. But this is the sort of project I think we can take a quote-unquote marginal interest, uh, a, a familiar author and text, and try to do new things uh, by digging into uh, the, the soil and also by being more interdisciplinary about it. So response to the crisis... These are various, very positive directions, and there's a lot of them in medieval Renaissance studies. We don't all have to be depressed here. It includes Irish studies. It includes Irish studies, and, and uh, it includes a lot of things. So interdisciplinary studies is on the rise. Uh, archaeology in Ireland, as you know, has so many cultural monuments. It's fantastic. You just should be shouting that from the, from the rooftops um, that haven't been plowed under over hundreds of years. Landscape and settlement studies are on the rise. Uh, you may know Oliver Creighton's work uh, also on castles. Transatlantic studies is really big these days. This is it. You don't just have Spencer on the Munster Plantation. You've got Raleigh. Uh, you've got Thomas Harriet, the, the scientist, for goodness sake. You've got these fascinating people, uh, 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 interesting people, uh, well-known people. Irish studies uh, is, is, is strong enough. Uh, Spencer studies is very strong. And, and the first biography of Spencer in 60 years just came out a couple of years ago by Andrew Hadfield. Uh, so there's a renewed interest in the biographical, but also the material culture of Spencer at this moment. Okay, and the center of Hadfield's biography is a chapter on Kilcoman Castle. Okay, so I really think that Irish studies and Spencer, Spencer, despite his genocidal tendencies, all right, and and the view, nonetheless, uh, it's not just Spencer here, right? He comes in on top of the Anglo Normans who came in on top of the McCarthys, etc. By studying Spencer, can be a lens into opening up wider fields wider fields of studies that are beneficial to Irish studies more generally, as long, again, as we keep Spencer in perspective in terms of what he does, what he doesn't do, what he creates, and what he destroys. But Spencer's studies is an international platform of excellent scholars at many conferences that can also integrate and help amplify Irish studies, early modern Irish studies. So it would always be great to see Spencerians at this conference, for example. And not just talking about the view, right? So digital humanities are really big, as we know. And also study of networks, social, authorial, discourse communities are very important, uh, led also by Pat Palmer, for example, with her Mac Morris project, uh, which you might know about, um, the six degrees to, to, to Irish bacon, uh, as it were, uh, uh, Francis Bacon sort of model uh, uh, that she's working on, uh, which will bring people like Spencer, Harriet, Raleigh together in terms of their letters. Um, uh, what does my uh, website do in, in these terms? It focuses on interdisciplinary research. Uh, and the pedagogy of Munster Plantation, including transatlantic as well as Spencer, Raleigh, and Harriet studies. It features art history, archaeology, geography, history, 
uh, often in, in very limited ways. I'm a literature scholar, but in ways which uh, I found very exciting to get into as well. Uh, the website takes an interdisciplinary approach to Spencer in Ireland sites by connecting Spencer's writing and not just the view of the present state of Ireland, but also his poetry. He's got topographical poetry on Irish landscapes. Uh, he has a whole sonnet sequence where he's trying to woo his second bride to be to come live with him at Kilcoman. Right. Can you imagine how you convince a woman to come live with you in the middle of this sort of, you know, rebellion ravaged uh, landscape? Uh, and and, and uh, how do you convince her to come out there? Uh, uh, and it's interesting. So what's what's the what's the material uh, political backdrop to this love poetry? And he will then make mention of the castle. Right. Which, again, is interesting. So when we understand more about the site and the place, uh, then I think we understand better uh, the poetry, and we understand the purpose of the poetry, we understand the subject matter of the poetry, and that's what this website is trying to do, is, is trying to bring the poetry and the place together for a better appreciation of both, not just material and historical Irish culture uh, through the castle, but also to better appreciate Spencer's, not just the view of the present state of Ireland, which again needs a lot of work, including cartographic work, uh, done on it, but also uh, the poetry to, to, to try to deepen it and better understand it. And I come at all of this from the side of literature, right, from the poetry. The website has essays, maps, photo galleries, object descriptions. So another useful thing about this website is if you can't get to Kilcoman Castle, at least we've got, it must be the only sort of uh, a programmatic uh, uh, photo essay of the castle. And I think that's useful for many different dimensions, Okay. Uh, so, and it's very hard to get to. There's no road that goes to it. There's no visitor center next to it. There's all sorts of visitor centers that were built in the 80s and the 90s, right, to, funded by the Germans uh, all over Ireland, but there's not one to the planter class. I wonder why. Uh, uh, and there's certainly no road that goes there, and it's not always easy to get to the castle, and there's, there's electric fences and stuff, and it's very hard to find uh, uh, in, in the first place. Um, uh, so, uh, so this, and, and, and certainly if you're handicapped or anything, you can, can't get over these fences as a way to see the place. So again, it's useful in that way. Um, the the web, website has benefits to history, archaeology, and art history. I wanted to stress that. It's the only uh, uh, reconstructed medieval or early modern Irish tower house on uh, the web that I know of. Uh, and I've worked with fairly closely with James Littleton, a tower house expert, uh, as well as also Jane Fenlon. I've asked her questions about this. I uh, gotten her advice uh, to, to try to bring it up to snuff and make it useful also for students of, of Irish archaeology and of tower houses in particular. Um, okay. Uh, so, uh, again, just a little, bit of, uh, a little bit of history here. The website itself began in 2009. This is just up until the end of 2016. We've had about 28,000 visits, which is pretty good. Uh, there's a little spike here. We had a conference in 2015 in the middle of the summer in Dublin Castle on Spencer. I think that's what that represents. We took all these Spencerians to Kilcoman Castle. Many of them had never been there before. That was really exciting. And since then, there's just been sort of a dribble and drabble, and I assume the same thing is going on in 2017. Nonetheless, people are using it for various uh, reasons, or visiting it at least. There's our man Spencer. There's Raleigh Harriet trying to stress the connections. Uh, Spencer died in 1599, having been burnt out of... He died in London, but he was burnt out of Kilcoman Castle as part of the uh, uh, uprising against the Munster Plantation in 1598. But he had first arrived in the late 1580s, first arrived in Ireland around 1580, maybe he came in 1577, uh, uh, and it sort of was in situ at Kilcoman, so uh, late 1580s, so for about a 10-year period he was there. But again, a lot of these buildings, as you would know, were there before, before he got there. So, uh, 
again, here's an example of the, uh, the sonnet I'm talking about. This is number 65. My effort is to connect the poem to the place. And so sure enough, the end of the sonnet, you have a couplet. Their faith doth fearless dwell in brazen tower, and spotless pleasure builds her sacred bower. Well, if you know your Spencer, you know words like brazen, sacred, bower, especially you might know the bower of bliss. All of these words just have immense resonances in terms of Spencer's poetry, uh, his vision of utopias, of gardens, of, of sexual bowers, of all sorts of things. But here it's connected to a brazen tower. Uh, again, you can't help read this uh, without thinking of the, the Kilcolman Castle and or just simply fortifications in Ireland, which is where he was when he's writing this poetry, trying to lure his uh, second bride-to-be, Elizabeth Boyle, uh, not the uh, Irish scholar, uh, in to, to, to visit. Uh, and um, uh, it, it really opens up new dimensions in terms of how we might understand the poem, uh, in terms of understanding the tower. So what did the tower look like, right? What were its... its, its uh, uh, dimensions. And, and more than that, more importantly, is like a lot of Spencerians think of Spencer and Kilcoman, they think he's some isolated ruin in the middle of nowhere. And also the whole idea that Spencer was in exile when he was in Ireland. That was a, that's a common thread that kind of really went from uh, Judson's biography back in the 1930s all the way through. But again, I think more and more now today we understand, not, not just because of Hadfield, but because of a lot of scholarship, Pat Palmer and others too, that Spencer is really part of a network of people, not just an English network, not just a new English network, but an old English network, not just an old English network, but a Gaelic-Irish network, okay? Uh, and then also, uh, he's not isolated. We realize when you start looking at the maps, he's on the main road, right, from Limerick uh, to Cork. He's not far at all away from Mallow, which is where Norris is, the Norris brothers, who is the presidency of Munster, is nearby Kilcoman. So he really is well-situated. And so to understand the context around Kilcoman, as well as to understand the castle, is to better understand what he's doing there and why. And again, I think this website helps uh, bring that world up. So I'll just speed along here. Okay, so there's a picture of it. That's trying to get to it. Uh, we have a, a sort of a stylized map. Where is it located? Again, the Limerick uh, to, to... Whoops. The Limerick to, to Cork uh, Road... Uh, there's, we have an image gallery, uh, so you can go through various aspects of it from different angles. Uh, we have historic images up there. We could put more, probably. Uh, and uh, something we haven't done, which is to study the historic images to try to figure out what changes and what might have been there uh, at the time that is no longer there today. That study hasn't been done. I think that'd be useful, but simply co collecting the various images would be useful. And again, uh, most of them are out of copyright or whatever. We can stick them up there. So uh, I, you still find new images. There's a, a Rigby Graham, a British painter who just died, an English painter just died recently. This is in a gallery in Newcastle or something like that. I think you can buy this painting for 5,000 uh, pounds. So it's interesting. I think that's from the 1960s. It shows this lake. This is a seasonal lake behind uh, Kilcoman. Uh, what also what I do is I put in and where I can sketches information on the archaeology. So this is from the Spencer Encyclopedia, David Newman Johnson, 1990, who sketched it out and wrote, uh, to date, probably the, the best uh, uh, essay on the site, though Eric Klingelhofer has since uh, added uh, information uh, to it. Uh, one thing that uh, uh, Newman Johnson suggests uh, in his essay is that there was a settlement around Kilcoman, that there could well have been a settlement site, a village, next to the castle. Was there or not? We don't know. 
but with new uh, uh, techniques, uh, geophysical uh, uh, LIDAR, this sort of thing, this stuff can be found out, but it hasn't yet been studied. Uh, uh, Kilcolman is low-hanging fruit, right, uh, for early modern archaeology in terms of a, a celebrity site uh, that could easily be looked at more carefully and cheaply uh, with current uh, technology. And uh, I would like to do that with James Littleton. We're, we're plotting and planning various things. I hope we can do that. Uh, and uh, that data could be uploaded onto the site. So that could be a new development, right, to get that data up. And at some point, maybe even build models off of that. But that's, the, that's a more... Uh, 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 difficult and ornate and expensive process. So again, this is Eric Klingelhofer's work from 2005, uh, the, the various plans. He, he did the archaeology where he found the outlines of the Great Hall, the so-called parlor I mentioned before, right, which came later. The bond, there's an interior bond, uh, and then there's an outer bond, uh, which goes further. That's the tower house seen from above. Uh, and uh, then we started sketching out what it could have looked like with help of an uh, artist named uh, Joyce Newman at, at my university. I went to Barry's Court uh, in County Cork. That's, that's a castle that Sir Walter Raleigh tried to take possession of, actually, around 1580, 1581, when he was a soldier there. Uh, uh, but it's also one you can visit, and it's one that's been restored according to early modern furniture. Uh, and uh, so we, we basically we went in with a video camera, uh, we filmed everything, and then we took stills from our videos and recreated the objects inside Kilcolman. So a lot of the objects you see in Kilcolman are taken from Barry's Court. Uh, a hanging curtain, uh, uh, tables, uh, chairs. Um, uh, and then there's also the, the bond wall. And the other thing, of course, that, that, that it has is, uh, for example, Irish crenellation, various details that we can, we can build off of. So again, sort of trying to model it off of pre-existing stuff. There's a picture where you see the bond reconstructed and a little uh, interior bond with a little uh, garden, again, at Barry's Court. So, this is what we, we built, again, with, the, with the, the pleasure garden, which we don't know if that exists or not, or it would have had a working garden, it would have had orchards. Uh, uh, another great garden site would be Roth House in Kilkenny, early modern uh, uh, garden that's been excavated. There are a few examples that we can use. Um, uh, was there a, a battlement on, uh, on, on the edge of the bond? I don't know. Uh, but there is evidence of a, uh, 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 a, a latrine there. Uh, again, the, the garter robe uh, passage coming out. Irish crenellations. Uh, we put the English flag up there, right? So St. George's Cross. <laughs> should be provocative. But if you see Bartlett's prints, his drawings, right? The castle's got the English cross on it, right? This is a declaration that we've taken Tullahoga. We've taken these places. Okay? But again, nothing around it. So what? Uh, so we, we did the modeling, um, and again, this is sort of looking at the, the guts of the thing. You can see all the various layers and the, the floors and the patterning. And then you go into the castle. You have these bird's eye views. This is the uh, this is the parlor, that intermediary building looked at from above um, uh, with a with a, uh, a table on which we put meters. You know those four handled cups. The only archaeological object that's in a museum that's been found is in the University of Limerick Museum, Provenance Kilcolman, but that's it. They don't know what time or what, but it's a meter. So we put a meter in there. We modeled it, put it in there. Spinning wheel, also trying to stress uh, the domestic duties of the castle, uh, and uh, uh, also stress uh, what would Elizabeth Boyle, Boyle's role have been. Spencer also had children from a uh, child from a pre-existing marriage. Books, bookcases objects, 
And uh, one of my favorite is the narwhal horn, right? The unicorn horn. Uh, and uh, we know that uh, Herbert uh, Downing Carey, in his uh, inventories of his place, he had a unicorn horn. Uh, so, okay, so what are other planters, what have they documented? We can take some of those items and stick them into our own place, assuming that Herbert's unicorn horn was a narwhal horn. Uh, tapestry, controversy. Was Spencer, did he have money to have tapestries or not? We put in a modest tapestry. Uh, a working desk. Spencer was also an administrative secretary, not just a poet. So a working desk with a plantation map. A lute, you'll see that in a second. Portraits, Raleigh, Elizabeth. Uh, um, you know, various things. You can explore yourself. But basically you drag over, you can click on an object, the object will pop up and you can read about it. And, and then with each object, we try to connect the material culture and description of the object with uh, uh, the poetry in some way. I'll just zoom along here, okay? So, for example, the lute, and you can take advantage of the web. We have a sound file of a lute being played, right? Uh, Dowland's Tears. After you click on the lute. And then, of course, Spencer wrote a poem about a lute that's attributed to him, so we put the poem in there. Verses upon the Earl of Cork's lute. When the acts my life did end, the muses nine this voice did send. It's all about sort of the Orphic transformation of the forest into a voice. So, one thing looking forward, what other items can we put into the castle that are telling items, right? That are items that, uh, spoke, uh, that, that uh, provoke uh, or spark, <laughs> spoke, <laughs> pro- pro- spoke uh, <laughs> conversation and discussion. Uh, but also, in, when, when, when a student reads about a lute, it's interesting if a student can see a lute and hear a lute. Uh, lutes are important not just to Spencer, but to many poets. My lute awake, uh, for example. Uh, we had fun with this one. We put a chapel. Where there, this is a, a space that still exists in the tower, uh, including that niche over there on the right. And we thought, well, maybe this, is, this could well have functioned as a, as a chapel. We know from work by Karina Morton, for example, that there were murals in <coughs> Irish tower houses. Uh, if you've been to Bally Portree and other places, for example... Uh, we at first we were going to put St. George as our mural. Uh, this, there is no mural there now. It's just a blank wall. Uh, we thought we'd put up St. George, but then uh, talking to archaeologist people, they say, well, St. George wouldn't have been common in Munster. So instead, uh, we put uh, St. Christopher up on the wall. And we took that image from an English church. And again, just pirated it and slapped it on ours. But again, with attribution, okay? It's with attribution. It's not trying to fool anybody. Uh, and then to make a chapel, again, this brings up really interesting questions in terms of Spencer. Now, is there, is Christ on the cross or not? How uh, Calvinistic and or iconoclastic and or puritanical was Spencer? How, how high church, low church? How many Catholic sympathies did he have? This is a big discussion in Spencer's studies right now based on his texts. And so you can visually come up with the same controversy. Now, one thing that could happen with this website, is build a second version of it, of this room, where you show it with no, with no illustrations, whitewashed, no Christ on the cross, or you could bling it up in a Catholic fashion, right, if you want, uh, uh, with a lot of illustrations. And you could show them side by side, and then tell the students to analyze which is better, and give some evidence from Spencer's text as to which, which you would suggest is the way we, that should be built. Okay. You can do that with the exterior of the tower house too, right? Isn't Jeremy Irons has a pink tower house down in Munster? What color 
should this tower house be? Maybe we should give different models, you know, choose your favorite wallpaper uh, kind, of, kind of thing. So that's what we have now. There's Christ on the cross and the chalice. Okay, uh, so uh, and you, there are virtual tour, tours. I encourage you to go look through them. We did things like we took a, a Jobson plantation uh, uh, map. Actually, it's not Jobson, but a plantation map. Threw it on the wall. So uh, various objects you can explore. Spanish helmet, a skull, the last poor York. Uh, Spencer's study. And we put a copy of the Fairy Queen on there. We took the, the Ebo image. You can zoom in on it, and you'll see the frontispiece of the Fairy Queen in what we imagine is Spencer's study, which is a completely invented room up at the top. That's in a missing layer of the castle, sort of up, up, up there. Uh, but again, it's interesting, as you get students into the place, or you get archaeologists into the place, maybe they'll become interested in the text. And it'd be interesting if you could do one way forward with this also would be to somehow engineer it so that you can do your own self-guided tour, right? So like in a video game. And you walk around and you can click on something, and then what then if then suddenly you're an Ebo and you're flipping the pages, right? So those sorts of ways you could sort of like bring the, the data and the databases we have already and stick them into a place and have it be interactive. That might be kind of cool, too. All right. It's the 1596 uh, edition of Fairy Queen, so before everything uh, burns down. One thing we have added since 2016 is a teaching resource for a view of the present state of Ireland. Uh, uh, we worked with the students of Carleton College, Minnesota, and uh, uh, their uh, teacher um, uh, there uh, to, to work up uh, various uh, topics and themes uh, on the view, but there's also some summary there. It's very hard to find a summary of the view of the present state of Ireland online or anywhere. Uh, uh, so maybe that's useful also for researchers for quick reference. Uh, but again, to try to, and then questions, some discussion questions that you could or could not use, you don't have to. So what, what remains to do? Uh, we need to do further uh, research on the archaeology. I talked about that. Maybe new geographical research needs to be done. Whether or not it ends up in this website, it, it should be done at Kilcolman, I think. It's important and interesting enough of a place. Um, uh, study other Spencer-related sites in Munster, uh, like Barry's Court, Mallow Castle. But there are also other properties Spencer owned that people have never looked at, never been excavated, hardly been surveyed, like Rennie Castle uh, in County Cork, which is more or less flat to the ground. Uh, it would be good to analyze Irish, specifically Munster material, related to Spencer's poetry and prose. Uh, what I would like to do also is recreate more of the immediate landscape around Kilcolman. We haven't done any of that, and I'll show you what I mean by that in a second. Uh, we could do more interaction. Yeah, and I'll, I'll finish uh, here uh, in two minutes. Uh, we can reformat it also, Centering Spencer, to make it more user-friendly in that interactive way. Maybe also with a phone app, right? Uh, if, if you visit the castle and you can hold up on your phone and see the recreation right next to the ruins. Yeah, you can do that kind of thing. Why not? We could get Pokemon to sponsor us or something like that. <laughs> so that's a fake landscape around it. What does it really look around, like around it? What did it look like in Spencer's day? So again, you could do landscape today and then superimpose. What did it look like with more forest, for example? Spencer writes about the mountains on the, on the distance. It'd be great. What's the view from the top of the castle? How, what, when he talks about Old Mole and various mountains, what would he have seen? Uh, so, uh, uh, an example of this was a very good uh, website from Emory University on Samothrace, uh, where, sure enough, they recreate uh, the landscape of the mountains around it. So you can't understand the, the winged victory of Samothrace 
the, the sanctuary site without also understanding, it's like visiting Delphi, right? Without understanding uh, the, the landscape context around it and the, the sacred vibe you get from it, as much as you can get that from a computer screen. San Andreas also has these very wooden, silly-looking uh, figures in it, uh, but you do walk around and go through parts of it. Uh, they do their best. Here's another uh, site you guys should check out if you haven't yet. It's a recreation of old St. Paul's Cathedral in London, uh, 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 built around uh, uh, John Donne's uh, Gunpowder Plot Sermon of 1622 uh, by John Wall. This is at NC State, North Carolina State, so various digital humanities stuff and early modern going on in uh, North Carolina. Come visit. <laughs> we'll all get together. But anyway, they, he got some architectural students to recreate what London uh, around St. Paul looked like. And what he works on here is the soundscape, the audio. What would it have sounded like? So I've done a little bit of work on the uh, uh, getting into the geographical stuff. We still haven't properly plotted out the lands that Spencer owned in terms of the uh, plowlands. This is about as good of a map as we have so far of the various places he owns. It's all quite crude, right? We need some good historical cartography to figure out what did he own and why. Spencer was involved in a lot of lawsuits with Lord Roach, for example, his neighbor, over what lands, why, where are they? This, this project could help put some of that down. He writes about Irish rivers. Could we uh, animate or show where the Irish rivers are? Could we have a voiceover of an Irish rivers and then you have on, fed onto your computer screen shots of the rivers as they are today? You could do sort of poetic stuff in that way. You have to be careful not to romanticize things too much. There are things, for example, like uh, Omeka's, the, the program, the map of early modern London you might know about. What you can do is you can click on one of the little houses and you get a little potted history of that house, right? You go around different places. So there's software already that does this sort of thing also. You go to a place and you, you learn about it by dragging over it in terms of larger cartographic patterns. A lot of that going on in digital humanities. Uh, it'd be great to have more archaeology. There's Klingerhofer back in the mid-90s. Uh, Geography, archaeology, GIS, other stuff could could help uh, uh, un, uh, unveil aspects of Kill Coleman, as I've said. Uh, we need better studies of, uh, here's Leesk's uh, study of Mallow. Uh, we could do a lot more with Mallow. What a fantastic place, uh, mid-1590s. That's You can still see how much of it is standing. It's really understudied. Uh, looking ahead, we do more analysis of the poetry. Uh, creative visually, uh, cartographically. Could we do more uh, 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 annotated online editions of something like a view of the present state of Ireland? Uh, the the Black, Blackwell edition by uh, Maley and Hadfield is a bit unsatisfactory. Uh, uh, we could do more with that. I have a, a, a fantasy to, to, to do a, a, a gloss multimedia edition of the Mutability Cantos. Maybe we call it the Mutability Project. Uh, and you could have Irish poetry and topographical poetry of the, of the region, uh, as well as Spencer's. And you see the layering of cultures uh, uh, that could just focus on these two cantos, which are spectacular uh, poetry in and of themselves. But again, you get that depth of culture and conflict uh, that, that could be presented on, on the web. And uh, ultimately, and I've been talking to Jay Flo about the, Littleton about this, I'd love to do an atlas of Spencer and Raleigh in Ireland to just simply plot out and show some of these other places, photograph them, get them up, not model them, but just to show what's out there and some of these connections in a territorial way. Uh, Pat is, is working on very much in terms of the, uh, uh, the letters, right, and, and the documentary uh, aspects. But it would be limited to Munster, you know. It wouldn't be like the whole shebang of Ireland that uh, Pat's doing. 
uh, again, talk about phone apps. Uh, I've, I've been building a book, right? Came with my new laptop, right? <laughs> iBook opportunities. So it might be fun to kind of build a textbook maybe out of building a castle. Uh, so there are ways that we can go back from the website back to the book. Uh, so the digital humanities do not preclude print in any way. Or is it digital print? Or what's the difference, right? We're all getting very confused. Uh, so I'll end on this. Henry David Thoreau, uh, his anniversary as well. If you built castles in the area, your work need not be lost. That is where they should be. Now put the foundations under them. Little did I know that when I use this as my high school yearbook quotation, uh, that it would sum up my so much of my life. I thought I was being profound, and it was only 30 years later that it, it became profound. Um, uh, so, and these are my thanks. So thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this Tudor and Stuart Ireland conference podcast. If you would like to access the archive, of more than 180 podcasts from previous Tudor and Stuart Ireland conferences, please go to historyhub.ie forward slash podcasts. All podcasts are freely available on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on the annual Tudor and Stuart Ireland Interdisciplinary Conference, visit the conference website at tudorstuartireland.com.